This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I am Chris Bentliff, and I'm here again with my friend Mike Durney. And Mike, it's been a minute since we've uh, had a conversation. Welcome back to the show. And uh, I think we've we've got an interesting conversation today around um, kind of organizational structure and particularly where finance functions are concerned. And I'm really interested in your thoughts on this, partly because small to medium sort of market businesses might treat this differently, uh, partly because where I am in the life cycle of my business might treat this differently when we've got maybe founders or executives wearing many hats, and partly because uh, as we grow or we've got larger scale enterprise organizations, I think a lot of times there's a lot of silos, maybe a lot of departments, and I wonder what... I don't know, the tension between all of these uh, different leaders or departments connecting can be. So I think there's a lot to unpack. So I don't know, let's let's start at the 50,000 foot view. What are some things that generally we should be keeping in mind organizationally uh, where kind of this structure is concerned that often you see folks are getting wrong or maybe inefficient? Sure. Well, Chris, uh, it's good to see you again. Th- thanks for... Uh taking the time with me. It has been a minute since uh, we talked, and I think this is a really great topic. Um, So I think, you know, to start, uh, you can learn a lot about how an organization operates and how a CEO, who's often the founder, thinks when you look at the people or the positions who specifically report to the CEO. Uh, You mentioned finance specifically, there's HR, there's operations, there's sales. Um, And one of the things uh, when I do acquisition uh, due diligence, one of the first things I ask for uh, is the org truck because you can learn about how a CEO thinks about what's significant or pretty importantly, span of control. How many people does that person have reporting to them, which is a pretty good indication often of how involved, how much delegation there is. Um, how much authority and responsibility is delegated to people. And you can tell that often from what are the positions that report directly to the CEO and what are the positions that you often find would report to the CEO or reporting to somebody else because the founder CEO just may not want to be involved. Is there, a, in your opinion, a, a sweet spot? Um, it depends so much, as you just said, wants to be involved, but I, there can be uh, personal characteristics, you know, I, I like to be involved, I, uh, maybe even micromanaging, which is a different conversation, a dysfunctional uh, sort of characteristic. But then there's, uh, no, 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 I need to be really free to do my visioning and my business building. And I, I need you all to do this and just keep me updated in our monthly meetings or whatever. What's kind of the, I don't know, where's the the middle ground that's a pretty good spot from your perspective? So I, I think... Uh, one is to have a reasonable number of people report to you. So that number can be four to six. There are times when you can have somebody have seven or eight direct reports, but it gets awfully difficult. If you have, let's say, two direct reports, and again, Chris, this is all based on the size of the organization. So uh, with that caveat, things may vary. But if you have two direct reports, let's say, then you're pretty often removing yourself from some of the key decision makers in the organization, and and you're potentially giving people uh, less of an opportunity 
to have the authority and responsibility that they should have by pushing it farther down into the organization. I think what I what I find mo more often is the founder CEO has more people report to them because principally two things. One is they're not really ready to give up control and direct knowledge. Uh, so having somebody directly report to you is a way to get closer, deeper in and have that direct knowledge, which by the way, you can get from somewhere else uh, through a different structure, but that's the feeling. The other common one is if the CEO founder has an expertise in a certain discipline, uh, they feel like they can actually take that on and have next level people report to them as opposed to having the senior level person in the organization. So when a common one is marketing. So the person's a marketing expert. And instead of having a CMO, which would free the founder up to focus on other areas of growth, or as you said, strategic impact, it's, I know marketing, so I'm going to get deeper into that. So I'm going to have the director of SEO and the director of communications and the director of marketing programs all report to me because I know it better than someone else. And I think those are two areas where you see uh, structural uh, issues uh, related to a founder's knowledge or fear of being too far away. I love what you're sharing. And it, it obviously um, strikes a, a chord with me as, as the marketing pro. I see this all the time, even in uh, large organizations, the CEO will be YouTubing how to do something with paid social media or whatever, something that is, uh, and, and it's one of my sort of, uh, you know that you need help when, if that's something that you're doing, even if you're interested in it. I also see this uh, I see a lot of people move into executive from being being uh, accomplished salespeople. So they become a sales manager, sales director. Uh, they become the general, you know, regional, whatever, and they escalate up. And their affinity for sales uh, creates often, in my perspective or my experience, an imbalance where they'll throw a ton of training or resources or money at sales because that's something they understand, and right. uh, they won't necessarily do the same with some other aspect of the business that also needs some sort of nourishment. Where, where does that idea of sort of exercising your personal interests or even your bias, uh, how do I as a leader throttle that back so that uh, even if I'm interested or good at those things, I'm not over-involving myself in those things? What, what can I be doing differently about that? Well, I guess there's a couple of things. One is recognize your strengths and recognize your weaknesses, right? And I often say uh, the, the best people who know it are know what they know and know what they don't know. Uh, and often we come across people who know what they know and don't know what they don't know. So think about the areas where you have strength and where you don't have experience or you have shortcomings and think about investing in there. What you said about sales is right on. I think uh, the opposite in today's world is, let's say, data, uh, a chief information officer, right? So often you'll find an organization has a CTO and the CTO has responsibility for information and data because it's technology driven or technology accessed and therefore the CTO can, can handle it. In, in some organizations, that's totally fine. But in a lot of organizations, especially now, as 
the, the need for data and the use of data uh, continues to grow in running businesses, you know, having somebody who has responsibility for data or a chief information officer should report to the founder CEO because it should be at the same level as the head of operations or the head of sales or the head of marketing. But I you sometimes find that's kind of buried under the tech person, you know, who sits in the proverbial corner, uh, although that's changing. But I, I think that that's that's a common one. Another one that I see is having HR report to somebody other than the CEO. And again, there are times when that's okay, depending on the size of the organization. But HR is the lifeblood of the organization, right? People is your most important asset, almost always. And so you often find HR is thought about as an admin role and put it in the admin corner where you know successful organizations have HR at the seat of the CEO. And I know I did that in one of my previous roles where before I became the CEO, uh, HR reported to somebody else, and, and that was me actually. And when I became the CEO, HR reported to me, uh, and the HR person was one of my right-hand people uh, because it's so important. So I, those are a couple examples where the structure of the organization, you can tell a lot about the thinking uh, and a lot about the opportunity based on where those types of positions report. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC Financial Flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com you make such great points, and I, I think our listeners uh, and our, our watchers in the executive space, I hope they're taking some of this to heart. I think there is almost an outdated sort of notion that is heavy on, um, let me make sure that I'm connecting with the CFO or the finance leader and connecting with the sales leader, because in my mind, those two things, I, I need to really be up to the moment on what's going on with those two things. But HR is there, there is no more important space in the company than what's going on with your people and what uh, emergencies could be emerging or what opportunities could be emerging. And then I love what you're sharing about data, which there, that uh, is almost being thought of in new ways. That's not a new thing, but the way we're using data is uh, increasingly important and new. And if we don't surround ourselves with uh, not just who we know is important, but who is important, but we might not have, I don't know, the skill set or familiarity with, we've got these huge blind spots. And it raises for me the issue of uh, some of our most important people in the next five, 10 years, those roles don't even exist yet. You know, those sure. that, that technology doesn't exist yet, or that importance doesn't exist yet, or that that connection point in marketing, TikTok wasn't a thing five years ago, you know, and and uh, we have to be able to be agile in that space. And, and that can be hard when we're in that CEO space and we're entrenched in some of those responsibilities and, and some of those things that, and maybe even our own, you know, as we're aging up uh, in, in life station and also in our career, 
it can be harder to open ourselves up to that stuff. Do you find that that's a challenge? And in your own experience, was that a challenge? Or, or by the time I get to that space, I need to have developed some of those muscles already? Uh, well, I think the simple answer to the literal question is I think you have to have developed it. But the fact is we all have opportunities for growth and opportunities for learning, right? And one of the mantras of uh, being a really good CEO is remembering that you have to continue to learn and not think that now I'm a CEO, so I know everything, right? So uh, letting people understand that there's a, a way to learn and a way to take input is incredibly important. Back to the data example, and I think this is what you're hitting on, is you think about how that's evolved, you know, when data became important, whenever that was, uh, for help in managing your business and creating uh, products and services around the business, there was the person who kind of was created to be the data warehouse person, right? So that was an administrative function to some extent, not to minimize it, but it was incredibly difficult and challenging to build uh, repositories of data and make sure they're usability. But, but CEOs have to realize that in order to continue to grow your business and think about strategically, data is an incredibly important asset, right? And so you want somebody who is a forward thinker ne next to you in how you use data, both to run your business and to create products and services, right? So you know, think about the places where data has come out. I mean, this is a, an overly simple one, but you know, Amazon created a whole cloud services business that is a gigantic business in and of itself. And then current CEO came from that business because it was trying to do something for its own internal use, right? So there, there's lots of examples of that throughout history but adapting to how you structure the organization to be close enough and sig sig signify the importance of, of different parts of the business really tells a lot about a business. You know, it's a great point. And even we can look at Apple and how uh, Steve Jobs was a creative and an engineer and Tim Cook was an operations you know, genius and how that has shaped the culture uh, of the company as its transition in the last decade from from one one phase of leadership to another, and I think you you make these great points about how the culture and personality of the company can follow uh, some of those things um, that are characteristics or traits of its leader. Uh, let's talk a little bit before before we go about uh, the finance kind of functions. Should the CFO um, be uh, should the direct reports there include bookkeeping or accounting or controlling or whatever or or kind of what's the pillar of the silos that I should be thinking of there and then as a CEO I need that strategic leadership from this single point person but that point person uh, that CFO where should I be getting more of my information that maybe I'm not uh, that I can be I don't know bringing my best intelligence forward. Sure. So I guess I'll, I'll caveat again by saying I, there's no one way to do this, right? So right. if you think about um, organization structures, I just want to reiterate the point that it, it you can learn a lot about the organization, the way it's structured, but not because there's a right and wrong. There are just different elements in, in both size and industry uh, in terms of best ways to do it. But I think one of the things when you think about CFO, the CFO touches all parts of the organization, right? So that's often why CFOs are... Uh, sit right next to the CEO uh, in terms of significance because you know you're involved with sales, you're involved with operations, you're involved with HR, 
but from a CFO standpoint, I think one of the things that is often forgotten about as companies get bigger and um, strategically trying to expand their business is the FP&A function, financial planning and analysis. And mm. that often takes a back seat to having a controller or having a bookkeeper, or having an accountant, because the, the accounting function, the reporting function um, is kind of table stakes, right? In an organization, you need it, whether it's just a bookkeeper or just an accountant or just a controller, or you have a big organization. But the financial planning and analysis standpoint, you know, analyzing what's going on in the business, analyzing cost structure, selling prices, um, that whole function is incredibly important to you as the CEO. And while some organizations have that separate, it's important in growing organizations that the CFO take responsibility for financial planning and analysis, the budgeting process, the long-term forecasting process. I can't tell you how many times I see organizations that, you know, are looking for growth capital, either equity um, capital or debt financing. And the, the, the provider, whether it's a bank or private equity or venture capital firm says, you know, I, I, I need financials and it's a generic term. And what you get is this kind of printout from QuickBooks of historical financials. But what they really want that again is table stakes. What they really want is what's the business doing? What are your opportunities? And and how do you financially plan for those opportunities? Which is a great uh, sort of, um, I, I guess, bookend or, or buttonhole to what we've been talking about, which is um, what you don't know. Know what you know and what you don't know or see the blind spots. And I, we've talked so much about this. Brian Raphael and I had a great conversation about um what to do with all those reports and and what they mean and how to how to read between the lines and what they are and that that is what the company's um, leadership and visioning needs not just piles of spreadsheets and and rows with charts and graphs that don't necessarily indicate the future it takes that mindset and that expertise to be able to see and say and recommend what that is and that's got to be true across the entire organization your HR leader can see between you know, the different data points, your sales uh, manager, your marketing person can see between the different data points and say, here's, here's what I think that means we should be doing. Uh, and, and let me present that. And I think that's a missed opportunity a lot of the time. Do you agree? I do agree. I, I, I think, and take HR as an example, you know, a lot of times HR is administrative, you know, where really the, yeah, a good head of HR, no matter what the title, but having a seat at the table with the CEO and the rest of the leadership organization can help you identify blind spots in the organization, not blind spots for individuals, but in the organization in terms of capabilities and how we motivate people and how you get them to think about long-term versus short-term. Um, it, it's incredibly important to, to get that part of the business to be focused with the executive management team and not, again, sit in the corner processing things. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I, I've seen over time is that trying to get out of that processing and administrative uh, and into really thinking about talent management. Um, it's a big leap. It is. Mike Durney uh, pro, from Pro CFO Partners, one of the smartest guys in the room. It's been great to catch up. Great to see you again. 
there's been a lot to unpack in this conversation and I'm excited for us to come back uh, and have it again. I think this idea of organizational, it's not even structure so much as attitude or perspective or culture or philosophy. I think it's really important and I think it's increasingly important, especially as we're dealing with a more remote workforce, as we're dealing with uh, a workforce with different attitudes than we've had before, um, with new emerging things like data. Uh, we have to be able to think about these things with agility and not sort of uh, tradition so much and you've raised a lot of great points for us to think about today thanks for being here buddy chris good to see you thanks again for the time appreciate it all right we'll talk again soon yep thanks for listening and a special thanks to our subscribers consider becoming one today visit procfopartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth